When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this very fun, it's going to be fun, right Nathan? We're going to have fun here? Yeah, it's fun talking about the demise of other people. <laughs> fun episode of TFL Talking Cars, and today we're going to be fixing a lot of car companies because let's face it, they need fixing. There are a lot of car companies out there that have some real issues, and we feel that there's a little bump in one direction or another might actually help. So we're going to be fixing Nissan, Mitsubishi, Fiat, Cadillac, Buick, Chrysler, BMW, Audi, and Tesla. So that is coming up right now on TFL's Talking Cars. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. All right, Nathan, let's start with Nissan. Nissan, yes. They're now, in trouble. <laughs> they, they've had problems for a while. Nissan is a, one of those car companies I, I really want to see succeed. Part of the reason why is they have a huge presence in the United States. They build some really good vehicles. I do like their trucks. GTR, Z, GTR, the, the, the Frontier. Z. Absolutely. There's some great vehicles out there. But there are three things that are letting them down right now. Politics. Yeah. You all know about Charles Gaulle, and yeah, he fled in a like a music case. <laughs> Japan. I mean, he left Japan and he was in Beirut. Now, um, the thing is, is that um, whether or not the, that case has any merit well, well, over there, let's talk about that. You can't just you know drop that he he was he left. Uh, in he a, was a naughty <laughs> boy, and he got caught. So, so Carlos Ghosn was the CEO of Nissan, right? Nissan Renault. Yeah, and he saved the company. Let's face it. Oh, he did absolutely. Yeah. He cut a lot of corners. Yeah. Made a lot of sacrifices, did some good acquisitions. Uh, uh, but at the same time, allegedly, he also uh, decided to kind of commingle uh, Nissan funds with his own funds. Which I've never heard of before. Nobody's ever done that in the entire <laughs> history of human. So apparently he bought some houses with Nissan money, uh, you know, stuff you don't really want to do. Uh, and then he got arrested in Japan because they take that kind of stuff very seriously over there. Yeah, and they don't screw around in Japanese courts at all. And then he used, like, two American, like, Former military dudes to, you know, pack him away in a music. He was case. under house arrest. He was under house arrest. They packed him away in a music case. They they carried him out. Uh, Put him on a private jet. jet. Private jet, and he flew to uh, uh, Beirut. Yeah, Lebanon, he, which is where he's from. Well, yeah, he has uh, uh, like three citizenship passports, and one of them is Lebanese. He's a hero there, so. Oh yeah, he he was. Uh, they have billboards with his face on them. And now, of course, he's one of the most wanted Interpol people because, but unfortunately, Beirut does not want. Actually, Lebanon does not want to extradite him to Japan. Even there's no extradition as long as the government says there's no extradition, and they're, and they're, they've been negotiating, but so so that's what happened, happened with him, but. 
as a business person, he did two things, right? So he kind of laser focused the company on making money, mm -hmm. uh, which was good until it wasn't because what he also did was he um, basically took money from the from the future of the company and put it into the present. And what I mean by that is what he did was uh, he didn't uh, spend a lot of money on developing new product, new vehicles, right? There was not a lot of money put into new product. Uh, and let's face it, cars and trucks are the lifeblood of any car company. And when you have no new product, you're gonna struggle. You know, it's interesting. And that's where they're at right now. Yeah, that's where they're at right now, which they're making changes. But the thing is, is that there's more to it than that. Because when he was taking a large picture and saying, okay, what we need to do is diversify a little bit, spend a little bit of money making these things happen, but we're going to put a lot of money behind continuously variable transmissions. And I truly believe that so, CVTs have hurt Nissan. Yeah, I agree. The CVT has not helped Nissan. They have a horrible reputation, especially in the Pathfinder. Yeah, then they're most of the JATCO um, you know, designation from that company. Now, they have improved, to be fair. They have their, the reliability has improved. But the point is, is that they've had some shockingly bad moments when they introduced this transmission. Another thing they did, they put a lot of money behind electric vehicles. They're I, would, the, I would argue that they single-handedly put the electric car industry uh, you know, behind 10 years because of the LEAF. They, they brought out an interesting vehicle. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I own one, but they, they fell on their face. They, they built this car, they, they, they made they it. They cut corners and they cut costs. They cut corners, they and cut And they made costs. it ugly. They made it really ugly. <laughs> I get to stare at one every day. And the thing is, is that they didn't bother really updating it within the right amount of time. Well, it was worse than that. They said, this is the car of the future. We're going to be the first manufacturer to have it sold globally, which they did. They did. And then the vehicle they designed was, you know, slow with no range, with bad batteries. And, you know, it was bashed over the nose with an ugly stick. And, and that's why I say they put electric cars behind because what it did was establish the electric car as ugly, slow, inefficient, or at least, you know, not usable uh, because they had this idea that all you need to do is have like 60 miles of range because the average American drives drives, whatever it is, 30 to 50 miles every day to work. Right. So if you have 60 miles, that's plenty. Except it doesn't work that way. You know, no. They, they single-handedly created range anxiety. Right. And we're talking about 10 years, roughly 10 yeah, years 10 ago years now ago, that yeah. they, they got this and, going. And if, I, if I'm emotional about this, it's because I went through the entire process. I was there and, you know, I was given the facts. I was fed all the information, you know, all of the, we're going to change the world. And then, you know, on the first drive of the LEAF, they, I said, hey, can I take it from Nissan headquarters in Nashville to, I think it was the Jim Beam or Jack Daniels Distillery, mm -hmm. which was exactly like 58 miles away. And the car had a supposed range of like 65 or 70. They said, absolutely not. And that was the first sign of trouble. Yeah. When they wouldn't even let me like, like, like drive it. They were, and the thing is, is that Gon was behind this 100%. Yes, he was. And so the, he had the attitude of, Okay, that's just about enough. We put enough money into this, let it flounder, and we'll see what happens. And indeed, they did manage to do some pretty good sales at first, but the thing is is that the com competition came along and blew past the leaf, especially Tesla, we all know that. And they could have updated sooner to make this car competitive, but instead they just sat there. And companies like Chevrolet, Tri nearly tripled their mileage with the Bolt. Yeah, okay, to be fair, the current Nissan Leaf does have like 240 miles If you range. get, the, yeah, they're, yeah they're, but it took them 10 years to get there. Exactly, and that's a real problem. And they're problem. still, I don't think they're still, the other problem, of course, is I don't think they're still uh, cooling their batteries, right, which cre created a huge problem for them because what happened was every other manufacturer, specifically Tesla, climate controls their batteries, right? The batteries are like us. They're like being at, you know, between 60 and 70 
degrees of temperature. Right. And when you don't climate control them, when you don't like cool them or heat them, then especially in places like Arizona, they fry and they die, which is what happened with the leaf. And super cold temperatures, they don't like either. Yeah. So the thing is, is that they, you know, they need, and the aria might be part of the solution, but they need an affordable replacement for the leaf that gets better mileage, period. And, and, and also has a much more durable battery. And I think they're going to go there. Now that Gone is gone, <laughs> Gone is gone, um, I think that Nissan is sort of turning a corner with certain things, but they're still doing products that not everybody really wants. And I think that that's a problem look, itself. To me, Gone was like the typical bean counter, right? So he didn't look at vehicles in terms of their aesthetics or the passion or you know the way that me and you look at cars right mm -hmm. we love cars and trucks right he looked at them in dollars and cents terms yeah and and i think that ended up biting him in the ass because forget about the leaf let's talk about some of the other cars right nissan had this incredible history of of having some really iconic cars you know and there's this idea that you build a halo car and then that drives traffic to the dealership and the, while people may not buy the halo car they'll end up buying something else right sure. so the z I, you know i've had four z's i love the z the z is completely left to die on the vine Finally, they came, recently they came out with a new one. But, Finally, but it took them, you know, way too long. It was about six or yeah. seven. How years long has the GTR been around now? The, the GTR okay. is also now like yeah, it's about a decade. Yeah, a decade old and crazy expensive. You know, it's almost like they don't want to sell it when they release the price of the new one. This is yeah. one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for a base GTR uh, that was, you know leading the pack 10 years ago, but now is being completely demolished by, you know, Tesla performance cars or McLarens or even Porsches. Porsches yeah. yeah. Uh, and let's look at their trucks, right? Oldest yeah. truck in the business, the Frontier. And how long did it take them to, it's, I, I want to say 15 years to do a new Frontier in America. Yeah, realistically. And on top of that, not everybody's thrilled about this new Frontier because they actually got rid of some of the options, including the smaller engine and a manual transmission. So a lot of people are upset about that. But on top of that, they also really screwed up with the uh, Titan, which is a good truck now, but there have been problems, and they're pricing it way too, way too high. Well, you know, they rolled out the Titan XD, which was, of course, the the diesel truck. Uh, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I mean, look, diesel trucks uh, in America have mainly been heavy-duty trucks. Yep. Right. Now you can get some full-size trucks, some half-tons, and you know GM has, of course, the little baby diesel. But so they, yeah, but they decided that there was space in between the full-size and heavy-duty truck to, to roll out. And what they ended up was with a, with a Titan with a diesel engine, Cummins, right? Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, a small Cummins, right? It wasn't like the big Cummins in the Ram right. that basically gave you none of the benefits of the diesel and gave you all of the down all the drawbacks, right? So it, you, you had this tweener truck that that you know didn't tow as much as a heavy-duty truck and was certainly not as fuel efficient, you know, as a midsize or as a full-size. Yeah. Right? And so, like, what's the point of this thing? They, it was a marketing screw-up. There was a simple way to make this truck far more competitive. They should have called it a half-ton. Yeah. The option is if you want to get the diesel, yeah. you get this XD package, which gives you a beefier frame. I think people would have ate that up at that, at yeah. that time when it came out. And they would like have absolutely annihilated the half-ton competitors out there. But no, they wanted this in-between vehicle. And there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with the XD, honestly. There, I wish it had a beefier axle, but that's a different story. The point is, is that the marketing screwed it up. First of all, they introduced the XD before they brought out the new regular Titan. It should have been the other way around. Yep. And 
they outpriced themselves when they, the new generation a couple years ago of the Titan came out. The interior wasn't even competitive with Toyota, or it was just on par. And Toyota, in terms of interiors, was ugh. So the point is, is that they just weren't very competitive. And, it's like they didn't want to try all the way. And then some of the cars they have are excellent, right? I love like the uh, Maxima, right? Except mm. it needs to be all-wheel drive. Oh, it needs to get rid of the CVT. It's got over CVT. 300 horsepower, yeah, and, and they're, they're getting rid of it. Anyway. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's not a it's not brain surgery to know that if that thing were a regular transmission and all-wheel drive, or a regular transmission and rear-wheel drive, it would do really well. Yeah. But I don't think it would save them because, you know, those that segment of car is dead. Luckily, the, the, the segment of car that isn't dead, they're actually doing pretty well in, right? So uh, the Rogue is selling really well. Yeah. Uh, they just came out with a new one. Yeah, it's actually really, I really like the design. It's beautiful. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and the Altima's doing well. Another one that has an excellent interior, and, yeah. and now you have all-wheel drive as an option, and you can get a turbo, N not both, which is a shame. Uh, and the Versa is okay, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, and I'll, the new Sentra, I, I stand behind that car 100% as, a, you know, one of the smoothest vehicles in its class. Yes, once again, CVT, but beautiful interior, very quiet, handles quite well. Very efficient, and, and for really some, nice car. Some absolutely unbeknownst reason to me, Nathan, they got rid of the Xterra, which which was at a time when you know uh, lifestyle vehicles like the Jeep were just, was just. I mean, Jeep was selling twenty five thousand Wranglers, well, and Toyota was selling you know a boatload of Forerunners, and they got rid of the Xterra. I did a story on that, and I did some real research on it. And one of the reasons they got rid of the Xterra was because both the EPA numbers and their safety numbers. Were in question. Right, but why and, not redesigned it? And and sales numbers were had fallen off. Right, a but cliff. once again, it was it was it was ancient. Yes, they should have redesigned it. Um, they should have put it on a different platform, and they should have basically kept the flavor in there because, you know, Jeep for a while because Toyota got out of the game too. Except they had the, they kept the Forerunner. Yeah, they kept the Forerunner. Uh, but you know, there was very little that competed with Jeep, and so they had the whole thing to themselves. I, I, I don't and know. Nissan I'm should have by kept competing. And, now and the room. The, now, they did reintroduce the Xterra overseas, but it's basically the Nissan Terra, which is very similar to my old Nissan Pathfinder, basically. It's, you know, six-passenger, seven-passenger SUV, but it's not the actual Xterra we love. And, and what they flushed when they got rid of that was the most critical thing, which was a loyal fan base, right? Yes. And an aftermarket support system, because there was tons of people who had, over the years, built up small companies that were making aftermarket parts. So yep. you, you had this really loyal fan base, owner base. You had all these companies that would have just loved to you know build the next set of bumpers and winches and, uh, you know, uh, rack, roof racks. Well, Cal Mini and some of those other ones are still out there building components for the old used ones. Yeah. So the point is, had they kept they that going, that. Yeah, so. yeah, they could have kept that market. And the thing is, is that it would have been fan service, but would that be a bad thing? Not necessarily. Not only that, but they should have built it and made it a discount version of something that you can get from Jeep or Toyota, <laughs> made it cheaper so people can actually step into an off-roader. But they didn't do that. They, they really missed an opportunity. And I think there's like one thread that runs throughout these entire discussion, and that's Carlos Ghosn, right? Yeah. I mean, he had, you know, you could see his fingerprints on all these decisions. Yeah. You know, if you look at numbers, all oh, the exterior is not selling, gone, right? Why do we need a new frontier? The old one's still selling. So let's keep building the old one. Yeah. You, yeah. you, see, you see what I'm saying? It was, it was all based on, uh, on numbers and spreadsheets as opposed to... 
like what the market wants and what the owners and enthusiasts need. There's no argument here, but I think we should move on yeah. to Mitsubishi, we, which is connected do, to Nissan. Yeah, and let's 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 before we do that, uh, you know, we can't help but mention Infinity, but I think that's a whole different conversation. That's so, a different conversation. So we'll leave it for another show. Yes, yes, Infinity is a whole different thing. All right, Mitsubishi. That's one of your favorite brands, Nathan. Okay, now, guys, <laughs> I like old Mitsubishi. I like it back when they were building Evos and Monteros. Dude, Mitsubi and Mitsubishi had one of the and this is not something I'm just pulling out of my hat, right? It's true. They had one of the best engineering teams for the all-wheel drive. Without a doubt. In, in, in the automotive business, right? They were head and shoulders above they everybody They were winning else. Dakar. They still win Dakar on older platforms. They were winning Dakar. They were really winning Rally Ray, the WRC. They were into everything. They were one of the few companies that could build something that was comparable, if not better than Subarus that were competing. They were absolutely out there terrifying the Germans and other Japanese companies because they had real engineering teeth. The problem was they fell into new management after lots of problems. There were a lot of, there are actually a couple scandals, but one of them was similar to Charles Gaulle with one of the people from Japan who also, uh, they also lied about gas mileage and some other things too in the past, which was overseas, not here. The point is, is that they also adopted this whole thing of let's just update and not really create anything new. And Actually, I think it's worse than that, Nathan. They went from, let me give you a perfect example of what happened with Mitsubishi, right? They went from the premier engineering 4x4, all-wheel drive, Vehicles, things like cars like the Evo, right, mm -hmm. uh, the Pajero, mm -hmm. right, to the iMeV. Yeah, right. Well, you I mean, know, I mean I, you know, which, let, let's face it, the iMeV. It was a first go-ahead in electric car, uh, but it was basically a glorified golf cart. You know, the iMeV actually had a gas brother in Japan. It was a little a, tiny was, gas yeah, engine. K -cars, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was a logical build at the time. But by the time they introduced it in the United States as an electric vehicle, it was already losing out to the Nissan Leaf in terms of sales, and it just wasn't as well packaged. But, it, but it's kind of like going from you know having a moonshot engineering team, right? Yeah. To doing like high school science projects, right? I, I look at the two vehicles. You look at all the tech that that is in those, uh, you know, really iconic Mitsubishi's. You know, and I think the Evo has got to be one of the most oh, iconic. Yeah. By by far. Yeah. And, and and to go from that to an iMeV. And, and, and like we're completely changing direction here. I'm good, good with that. But dang, dude, you know, wow me with it. Don't 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 come up with an electric electric car that looks like you know an egg with wheels that has 50 miles of range. And the design language is is really iffy right now. I would say at best. Now now there are a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, Mitsubishi is actually doing better than they were a few years ago. Nissan did acquire uh, and became a partner of Mitsubishi. And because of the extra funding and redistributing a few things, changing the dealership network, lowering some prices, they're actually doing quite well. On top of that, they managed to make that Jetco transmission work a lot better than Nissan, ironically, even though they use the same type of transmission, it's slightly different. And they have it in a few of their vehicles and it's considered far more reliable if you look at the numbers. But the bottom line here is that this was a company that led when it came to off-roading to sports car racing, to sedan racing, to rallying, all this stuff. They had all of this passion, and they got rid of pretty much all of it. And that, I think, is what really affected people. You have to ask yourself when you buy a product, and I had a Mitsubishi not too long ago. I've had a few. The last one I had was the Outlander GT, the first generation of the Outlander GT, and it wasn't a bad vehicle. And they went and they even softened that more. And 
You know, the thing is, is that fans are really important to a car brand, and when you can't inspire them, when you can't give them something that really makes them go, wow, one hail of car, just one, then you're, you're, you're hurting yourself is what you're doing, and, and that's what Mitsubishi has done. All right, and to be fair, the IME was a small, you know, electric car that didn't necessarily represent the brand, but I'll give you the other car uh, that they, um, one word, one word, Nathan, Mirage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know. It, and, and the thing is, is that we actually discussed the possibility of buying a Mirage. Yeah, uh, because, because we were talking considered about... considered one of the worst vehicles in the United States. And that's not based on our taste. That's based on the worldwide taste. If you look at other people who say, you yeah, know, well, it's not a great car. Because it's one of the least expensive. Sure. And I've driven a few of them now. They will not, by well, the way... Rolling on 13s, dude. I know. They, they will not deliver them to the Colorado fleet or to the Rocky Mountain fleet. I think part of the reason why is because high elevation with an engine that puts out less than 100 horsepower would be extremely slow. But my point was when I talked to them, this is one of the, it gets excellent mileage. Give us a manual transmission one and we'll drive it around a little bit and see what, you know, and they're like, no, I'm not too sure about that. They want, they would rather have it at sea level. But the thing is, is that I've driven them here in Colorado and at sea level. And they are extraordinarily slow. They're rather flimsy. Um, not the world's most uncomfortable car, surprisingly. But we are talking about something that you really do feel like you bought something that's a discount vehicle. And if you spent just a tiny bit more money and got a Chevy Spark, that vehicle's so much better. So that's, that's another issue. But there are some good cars in the lineup. I like the uh, Eclipse Cross, right? I think that's a pretty good... good it's a, decent, it's yeah. a decent vehicle. We've I'll, had a few of yeah, them. Yeah, I like the back end of it, the styling. It does. Not everybody likes it, but you do. I know, but I like it. I, yeah. you know, and and uh, they are working now on plug-in hybrids, and you know, they are getting uh, to kind of, kind of the same place that a lot of the other manufacturers are at. Uh, but they, they don't have a full electric car, unlike the Koreans, right? Uh, they certainly don't have um, a hydrogen car, <laughs> unlike the Japanese. Yep. Um, and they certainly have, at this point, uh, no halo car. Nothing. No, there's nothing out there that's really. I mean, if, if you know, if I were to fix that company, I would say bring back the Evo. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back the Evo. Uh, you know, bring back here in America. We don't get it, but bring back the. Pajero Montero, whichever, you know what I mean? Uh, and make it a, 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 a serious... They still build a Montero overseas. Yeah. They just don't have them here. Yeah, build, you know, make it a serious, big, family-hauling, luxurious crossover. And, and you know, show us your engineering chops uh, and, and get rid of the Mirage. Well, the, the Mirage, unfortunately, is one of... It's hurting their reputation. It's hurting their reputation, but they still sell them. I get, I get that, yeah. but I, I was at the LA Auto Show, and you're like, you know, they, they were right next to Honda. at the, It was the last show we were at, right, mm -hmm. in LA. So they were right next to Honda, and they were kind of in the corner, and there you are, Honda's got the Passport, it's got the, uh, you know, it's got its whole lineup of cars. Civic, the, 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 the Fit. The Type R, right, right, is there. You know, and there's all this engineering on display, um, all these, like, really glitzy cars, and then there's, you know, Mitsubishi right next to them, you know, with the Mirage. I mean, it, 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 the, the, the contrast couldn't be greater. I always felt that when they got rid of the Lancer. Yeah. Oh, they, Lancer. Diamante. Diamante was weird. It was but a Cadillac that, copy. I mean, no, yeah. a BMW copy. Yeah, BMW copy. Uh, oh, and the, and the, what was the one with the four, you know, think about, we forgot about that, uh, the um, GT VR. Uh, oh, you're talking, going way back, the 3000 yeah. GT? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh, yeah, that was amazing. Well, I, 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 I kind of had one. Four-wheel um, steering. 
turbocharged. Yeah, uh, the body can act, actually move around. Twin turbocharged, by twin the way. Twin turbocharged, active, uh, active arrow. arrow. I know. I mean, this is this is like crazy. Dave, cool that was still one of my favorite cars of the time. A long story about a, a junkyard car that I bought from an auction, but it, 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 I crashed it. Anyway, the point is, is that going back real quick, they got rid of the Lancer. I always thought that the Lancer design on the outside was. Beautiful. It's a really cool looking car. That's what's cool. And then you could go from a CBT front wheel drive absolute base model all the way up to the Evo. And the Dude, Lancer I'm, line was. I'm still awesome. jonesing for. I would love an Evo 10. I'm still jonesing oh, oh, for that. Oh, that would be fantastic. And, and good luck. And you know. Paul, you know, our, the former Stig, he, he yeah. still has an Evo. It's his favorite car. Oh, yeah. He yeah. tows with that thing. <laughs> he, does, like, he, he goes in the snow, he tows with it, he off roads with it, you know, and he, he is a professional race car he driver. He tows like a sailboat with it or something. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. But, but the thing is, is that that car, just the Lancer alone, I'm not just talking about the Evo, the Lancer alone. They had years to update the interior and to make it competitive, and they never really did it. And it was something that Roman and I noticed. If you recall, the last few Lancers before they got rid of them, we would complain about the interior being this cheap plastic, just like it was 10 years ago when it came out, or 8 years ago when it came out. That was one of the problems, and I think that just like Nissan, that hurt Mitsubishi, not being able to make those updates to keep Americans happy. You know, we're in a seismic shift. It's obvious that, that the world's changing and we're going to electric cars. Whether you agree with that or not is a whole different conversation. But it's Electrification, I would it's say. It's happening. Mm -hmm. And there's this really great moment in time right now for companies to be the first, right? Mm. To be like the first to build an all-electric off-roader. doesn't exist right now. Technically, I mean, you, people would argue that the GMC uh, Hummer is, but it's not out there yet it's for the public. There. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's just it's just a you, what you're a looking truck. at is a, a mock-up. And the Rivian will be first, but that's also I'm, I'm saying like a car, like a crossover. Yeah. Uh, you know, be the first to build that, uh, uh, or you know, be the first to completely electrify the entire lineup. You know, there's a lot of opportunities here for Mitsubishi. Yeah, uh, and maybe it's it's a question of money or engineering talent, but you know, I would say the company could completely kind of change its brand image at this point and do really well. They're trying. Uh, recently, they, they let out a few leaks about some of the styling updates that they're doing, some engineering updates. Even the uh, Mirage is getting an update. I'm hoping one day it will actually allow us to drive one of theirs. But the point is, is that they're making these incremental steps and they need to make big steps. And they're just not doing And that. you know, I think they know. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, the, I mean the sales are, you know, the sales are what the sales are. Yeah, they've improved. Actually. All right, well, let's keep going. Uh, Fiat, dude. <laughs> Yes, look what's behind me. I find that this vehicle is probably the biggest culprit for where Fiat is right now. Now we're not talking about FCA. FCA as a whole is doing quite well. Um, but Fiat is not. And in the United States, Fiat sales are practically non-existent. Now, they did get rid of their regular 500, ironically one of their better cars. The little 500 was especially the Abarth, fantastic little car. They had a little turbo version that wasn't quite the Abarth. That was also great. They were decent cars, decent reliability. The 500L, which was one of the first on their new larger platform, hurt the company. Why? Just look at it. I mean, it is not exactly a great looking vehicle. It's gangly, but more importantly, it's been unreliable and it just doesn't fit the ethic of the American buyer. I remember when we first started doing Fiat videos, right? The very first comment was, fix it again, Tony, right? That's right, what right, Fiat yeah. stands for. And Fiat had this reputation in America of not building reliable or quality cars. Right. So when they came back to America, you'd think that this would be like, hey guys, you know, we have this reputation of fix it again, Tony. But we're, but we're gonna change that. We're gonna change that, but unfortunately, um, yeah. It, 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 like the, the reputation preceded them and it stayed with them. 
uh, and it, it's it's just hamstrung them from the you know very get go, and it's still there unfortunately. And they haven't been doing a very good job with getting vehicles out of the American market we don't want and bringing us vehicles in the market we do want. And here's a really good example: they have one crossover. This doesn't count. This is basically a four-door hatchback. They have one crossover, which is decent. The Fiat 500X, it's okay, but that's it. The Fiat, the 124. So it's you know Fiat. It's a Fiat. It's and it's their best most reliable vehicle, mostly because a lot of the components are actually from a Miata. Yeah, it's built in Japan. Yeah, but it's the, the, the 1.4 liter turbo is actually right. Fiat the, the source. engine, but the, it's built in the same. Yeah. Thing. The thing is, is that they haven't had the product that really has resonated with the American public, so they read the tea leaves wrong. But bef and, and they knew this early on. They should have kept and updated the 500 and had that as a small vehicle, an electric vehicle, which is sort of did. And, it's a California compliance car. But, but you yeah. know, ha have that and then bring us cars we really want. There's Fiat overseas has some really cool vehicles which we're not seeing, including SUVs and pickups. And they could have brought them here and had some interesting competitive dude, vehicles dude, and they didn't I was do it. At the Geneva Auto Show and Fiat rolled out this badass pickup and I'm like, why is that not here? The Strata, right? Yeah, with with yeah. fully lifted and yeah, it had like yeah, all that. Yeah. And why it's it's, it's a car-based Ute, yeah. you know, but it's still something that could compete here because look, they're selling 50,000 Honda Ridgelines a year, and that's one vehicle. This could have been very competitive and possibly even better. So, I, it, 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 you know, it would take imagination because you're straddled with a chicken tax, right? That's, right. that's a problem. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, Fiat uh, has uh, a very um, small window opportunity, I think, left in its life because obviously Fiat's part of FCA and they just merged with. Uh, Peugeot. Peugeot is, and you know, Stellantis is going to be the new parent company, and the head of Stellantis is going to be the CEO of Peugeot, and he's, right. he's known as a, a just a drastic cost cutter. So I'm it could not, be another Charles Ghosn situation. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure how much like life Fiat has, especially because you know the dealers have really nothing to sell that people want to buy, and that, and that's you know, <clears throat> I mean, that's really harsh. No, but, but it's the truth. But it's the truth, right? It's, and and it's, once again, Roman and I both agree that the Fiat 500, especially the Abarth is a great car. The Abarth was fantastic. The fact that we never bought one for the studio has always been surprising to me because there's so much fun, but just nobody really wanted... It's, it's like if you went to a steak restaurant and you want a steak and they got, we got potatoes, we got, you know... <laughs> we got everything. <laughs> we have steak sauce, too. But, uh, sorry, no, We got no a great dessert, steak. but yeah. we have no steak. How about chicken? Would you prefer chicken? <laughs> we have yeah, no it, steak. It's not, it, it's not quite giving the American buyer what they want. Or, or, or better yet, if you went to an Italian restaurant and they had no pasta. <laughs> they, that's that's right point. It took that, me a while. Now you threw the whole Italian yeah. thing at Fiat. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I really do like unique designs, and Fiat has a lot of that going on. Their interior designs are really cool looking. The quality has been an issue, and they cannot be unreliable in the United States and hope to sell because that reputation comes and bites them. Once again, the regular 500 is actually a fairly reliable car by comparison with all the other ones. This one behind me, the 500L, which is their most polarizing vehicle by far, and one that doesn't sell, I think they sold like 100 last year. This car is not very reliable. It has a lot of quirks and gremlins. And on top of that, it's just something the American people truly do not want. Yeah, so, um, you know, I mean, the way you fix Fiat is have them import, uh, you know, the, the kinds of cars that are very popular here. Bring us the Strata. Bring us some of the cool sporty cars that you have that are not based on, I don't know, a Miata. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, 
I hope I hope they uh, survive, but you know we'll see. All right, um, Cadillac, Nathan. That's an interesting car company. Mm. You know, Cadillac has been trying to reinvent itself as long as me and you have been doing this. They made a major mistake a while ago, and I think it started the ball rolling in the wrong direction. You know what? My biggest issue with Cadillac is mm. they're trying to out German the Germans, right? They they took all these like they, they said to themselves. You know, Audi, Volkswagen, well, not, maybe not Volkswagen, but certainly BMW and Mercedes are, you know, are very popular. Right. So let's forget about, you know, American luxury and let's aim at European luxury. Yep. And that was a mistake, right? They called it art and science. They, they created this whole design language. But basically it was like, let's out-German the Germans. And to me, you know, my dad had a Cadillac Eldorado. Yep. And here's the thing, right? In Europe, we've been to Europe, right? They've got very um, twisty, fast roads. Uh, that uh, you know uh, reward performance vehicles. We have dead straight interstates that reward very comfortable vehicles. And, and somehow Cadillac decided that they wanted to build cars for Europe and not cars for America. They also wanted to, uh, except for uh, the Escalade, which is the one that sells. Yeah, it does sell. Uh, they, they wanted to appeal to a younger audience, and they still do uh, in some cases with the Escalade. But here, here's where I think they went wrong. It was about five or six years ago. First of all, they moved their headquarters to New to York. New York, They're, yeah. And, and why would you do that? All that the world's most expensive real estate. Yeah, and, and, because, because and that's their where, president like, at the time. That's where, like, you know, the, the cool, you know, yeah, cappuccino cool and drink, hip. Yeah, cappuccino. yeah, yeah. Let's do a cappuccino. <laughs> you know, and, drinking. And I have nothing against New York. Hipsters but, were but living. But moving something that is... In Detroit or whatever, and, and moving it to New York is just a terrible idea. And by the way, they moved back. They sold off that real estate and moved it back. Yeah, of course, because no it was sense. a bad idea. You, you've got all your engineering team. You know, you've got all these engineers. Uh, you've got your production in, in Michigan, right? And then you're going to go to New York just because there are a bunch of hipsters that are, you know. It, it's it's it's. But it goes beyond that because it's, it's bad financial sense to make that happen. And then on top of that, about five or six years ago, I think it was. Their president said, we're no longer in the car, the car business. Do you remember when she said this? It was a, or, or their head of uh, PR. Um, we're no longer in the car business. What we want to do is build you a good product. And she mentioned iPhones. So basically, she was comparing her car company with uh, Apple. And that was a terrible idea. Saying that we're no longer a car company, saying that you're no longer building an enthusiast car, even though you still are, but just saying that was a terrible idea. And, and, they, and they bet on sedans also, which was bad, right? Right, and they, yeah. they built like remember this. Remember the, uh, the 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 wagon, right? Oh yeah, the yeah. CTSV wagon. Yeah, oh. that was great. I mean, I can't, you know, thank you Cadillac, but you know, you, you're not going to survive by building a vehicle for a 500 automotive journalist. You know what? What? And then the worst thing that they did, I think, was uh, they looked at you know like BMW and Mercedes and decided to rename all their cars with you know three letters and a number, and, and, you know, and now they're doing this this like stuff where it's about. Uh, some weird torque number, right? It's, yeah. I, 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 you know, dude, come on, really? The Fleetwood, the Eldorado, you know, these are these are classic American names. Just embrace Cadillac, embrace your heritage, yes. own it. You know, bring back the American luxury car. Lincoln is doing that, and they're being successful at it, right? Well, no, they've actually killed off a few of their vehicles. Well, the car, but but you know, reinvent yourself as the American luxury. 
vehicle, yeah. not, and I'm saying vehicle, not car, because it might be an SUV, right? And, and lose the XT4, the XT, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it seems so obvious to me. Maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm sure there's very smart people at Cadillac who are looking at the way the wind is blowing, but to me, I would love to see another, you know. Well, so here's the big change with Cadillac, and that is that they announced recently that they want to move to an all-electric platform, not just with one vehicle, but eventually. But it's, it might be too little too late. It might be, but that's one of the reasons why the, um, what was it, the, the, they have a name for that new one, well, whatever it's called. <laughs> it's a new name, it's a musical name, Lyric, I think it was Lyric? Lyric, yeah, Lyric. The Lyric. Okay. Yeah, the Lyric. Lyric. Right. So the new Lyric, which I, by the way, think that the design is spectacular, it looks really cool, at least on paper, that vehicle has been uh, pushed up for its debut. They want to bring it out faster because I think they realize exactly what you said, too little, too late to fight Tesla, and let's face it, that's exactly what you're gonna do if you're going into EVs. You need a full line of vehicles that goes head to head and beats them pretty much at every level, including price. If you can do that, then you can resuscitate a brand like Cadillac. That's my personal opinion. And I love Cadillac. Like I say, you know, I, I, my dad, when he became successful in America, that was the mark of success, right? My family would buy a new Cadillac every year and cycle through it, every exactly. year. Exactly, and of course, you, you, you can't, you can't reinvent those days, those days are over, but you can you know, um, reinvent that image and use it as part of your uh, current marketing and sales and design strategy. And, and there's and, so and, many and, other questions. And, that they... and the design's not working, right? This art and science that they're doing, these kind of very, ang it's just not working. It, by now, if, if, if by now it's not taking off, it's not gonna take off. And I still think that some of their cars are actually kind of good looking, but they, they designed, they spent billions on this Blackwing engine it showed up in like two cars and that's gone. They're not using it anymore. They're not using it on anything else in GM. And then the weird thing, the other thing I don't get is the, the V used to be like this fire breathing monster, right? Oh my God. Supercharged, right? Out of a Corvette right, right, basically. Right, right. And now the V has become like, you know, they, they actually went with less horsepower for the latest version. That makes Unless no you get sense. the V, da da da, with right. the, you know, and, and the thing is that they did exactly the same thing that BMW did. BMW has their M, badged version vehicles which have like an M kit but it's not actually an M car. Same with some AMG stuff out there. So Cadillac decided, hmm, we'll take that V, which everybody knows means super, you know, velocity, whatever you want to call it, but we're just going to say, no, there's, there's a lesser V out there so you can get it looking fast but it's not actually fast. Terrible idea. Don't mimic the Germans. Be yourself. Do it your way. Yeah, you know, I've said this before but Nathan, for us to go to Phoenix from here, right, it's three turns. Mm -hmm. Three frickin' turns, and that's a thousand miles. Turn right on I-25, go to Albuquerque, turn right, go to Flagstaff, turn left. And that's the only turn you're gonna do. Yeah. Right? And to, and to do that for a thousand miles, 1,600 kilometers for you Europeans, right, uh, means that you need something that's extremely comfortable, that has room for a lot of cup holders, that has a long range, right? Mm -hmm. so, so these are the things that, that, that I think American drivers want and appreciate. And I think this is why pickups have become the ideal road trip vehicle, because they have that. They have excellent rides and usually fairly long range. Yeah. Especially if you get it. And diesel. utility, right? Yeah. And so, 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 you know, right now, if you want to do that kind of driving, you're really given a choice of a pickup truck if you want the ultimate road trip vehicle or nothing. Why don't you recreate that, that, that Cadillac ride, that floaty ride? Maybe it's I'm getting old, you know, but I get well, really tired of like, you know, every car having to be tested on the Nurburgring. It's just, it makes no sense to me. You know, Unless it's a sports car, but, but you know they're, they're doing these things with all well, their sedan can go around the ring in seven minutes and five seconds. The thing is, is that 
The, wow. Your average American driver who's sitting there with a super big gulp just driving along going, yeah, I can go around the Nuremberg Ring really quick. But as I'm driving right now down the highway, I'm thinking that this car is mighty uncomfortable because the suspension is so stiff. What Roman wants is an electric pickup truck for Cadillac. So make that happen, Cadillac. I, I mean, I that's thinking, basically what you just said. I was just thinking about that. I was like, it wouldn't have been kind of cool if instead of making the Hummer EV, they had actually made it a Cadillac. Well, the, but they, they have sort of with the Lyric because the Lyric will have some of the same technology that this Hummer will but, have. But you see what I'm saying? Think, think, about, think about that. If, if the H2 EV had come out as a Caddy. Um, the, the, that would, I think that would have, you know, I think. Across the line, they should have done something similar like Chevy, Buick. All of them. They should have done it. And um, I agree. So, Nathan, we've got another uh, one, two, three, four, five, six brands, and we've kind of spent you know much of the time <laughs> discussing these first four. So why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, uh, let you guys comment in the comments below, let us know what you think, and then we'll do this next week as a part of uh, the kind of part two of the show. The part two of this show. And keep in mind, guys, that we're not talking about just sales numbers alone. We are talking about what we think might actually help these companies. So to you know, summarize. Yeah, how, do you, how do you fix Cadillac? We didn't talk about that. Well, you just, you just said it, dude. Yeah. They need a pickup truck that's EV, apparently. And, and <laughs> I think bring back real names. They, I agree with the names 100%. They, they need to bring back you know, the Brome, the, you know, Fleetwood, L El Dorado. this weird like, torque number for whatever the hell that is. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And they, they, you need to, Cadillac needs to embrace their roots and bring back. American buyers, I think, are savvy enough to figure out Oh, an XT four three seven, a Brome. Ooh, yeah, you know and, what I mean. They're, and redefine uh, their luxury as American luxury. Right. You know, don't don't define it by ride or by handling, but define it by like uh, the materials and the the, the, the the kind of the way it makes you feel while you're sitting in the thing. Right. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I think, like I said, I think Ford is figuring it out with uh, Lincoln, right, with the Navigator. Where, where the Navigator and their, their Corsair, which I think is a brilliant vehicle. And the Corsair. Yeah. And I think Cadillac uh, might take a hint from that company uh, and, and kind of reinterpret their past and then, you know, mix it in with what today, you know, you know, one of the things you could do easily would be to redefine luxury by, re, you know, by having renewable and recyclable materials, right? Yeah, most Americans who buy Cadillacs wouldn't care. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, to me, I know like Rolls-Royce, for instance. Let's talk mm -hmm. about Rolls-Royce, right? What, what they do is they pride themselves on getting leather from cows that are only in parts of Europe where there's no... They're British cows with monocles in their eyes. <laughs> no, and they're, so, they're, like, they're sipping they're, tea as they go, moo, take my skin. They're, they're cows where <laughs> there are no uh, barbed wire fences so that there's no imperfection. Right. Right. But to me, that feels really old. <laughs> like, what they the need to do. The whole thing just feels like, 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 like your dad's. <laughs> like, I give a rat's ass if the leather comes from a cow that's brushed up against the barbed wire fence. Yeah, give me a cow from Detroit, man, that has some bullet holes in it. I'm down with that. Just put that on there. We'll but you see what I'm them. saying? It just, it just, you know, and, 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 uh, and then, like, you look at, like, um, in, in a way, Mercedes just did this, right? And somehow, uh, this old-fashioned luxury, this notion is that you have to have, like, the champagne flute glasses and the refrigerator <laughs> in the back and the humidor. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, guys, really? I mean, would your wife let you smoke a cigar in your... No, I, 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 the only, yeah, I, I can only smoke cigars in certain vehicles. I'm sure as hell's not going to be the family car. But the thing is, is that, um, okay. Here, Nathan, here's your humidor. Enjoy your cigar. Come Actually, on. for Americans, a refrigerator and a microwave might be a really good thing but, in a but, car. But redefine that. You yeah. Know, redefine that. It's not a fluted champagne glass. No, 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 no. It's, just, it's for your bud. You know, you put your bud there. There you go, guys. The thing is, is that, you know, the Cadillac, all of the cars that we've discussed, all the car companies we discussed, 
I think what the overall theme here is they've lost their way. It's not necessarily that they're about to die. It's not necessarily, you know, the fact that they could, you know, that they're building poor products. If you combine everything together, I think that they've all kind of lost their way and they're not speaking to the buyer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the aesthetics of the next generation, and uh, look, we're not that next generation, obviously. <laughs> but but I look at my job here at TFL as kind of keeping my finger on the pulse, you know, seeing right. what's, what's popular and what's coming, right? Uh, and uh, all that, right? All that, the humidors, the, 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 the fluted champagne glasses, even, even the airline seats, right? That, that they always like, yeah, you can mm. sit like a private jet with them. That all feels really like, like, like my parents' generation. Like, I want a different definition of luxury uh, that speaks to who I am and not not that speaks to who my parents were because you know I mean think about that like this this notion of like you know a glass of champagne and a big cigar that to me is is just disgusting sorry it is I no, just, it's I, not but okay but it, it's it's not if I could drink and smoke a cigar in the back that, of that, a vehicle that, 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 to me it doesn't oh. evoke it doesn't. It, it doesn't. To most people, luxury. I would agree with you. I, I, I get that. You see what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not saying. I'm not. I'm not criticizing people who smoke or who drink champagne. Go ahead. But I'm just saying. To me, that does not evoke luxury anymore. I think what we're talking about Our here success. is the fact that we have all this modern tech that can give us a whole bunch of new levels of luxury that we're just not utilizing, even though it's already out there. And I think that massaging seats really should take the place of a spouse. So they should bump it up a little bit more. So that way, you don't need to get married. You don't know where I'm going with this? Okay. The point is, but I think that everything that a vehicle is, and Cadillac does this really good cruise control system. Yeah. The Super Cruise, there which is go. a there, really impressive piece of tech. Yeah, exactly. To me, you know, luxury now is synonymous with technology, right? right. It's, it's more with this uh, than it is with the cigar, right? This, this to me says more about luxury and about success than the cigar does. Yeah, but I can use smoke a cigar while I'm using this, which is really good. Um, the thing is, is that... If we can incorporate a modern take on luxury, not the old, old version of it, but still make it that it's you know, somewhat nostalgic, I think that's the direction that Cadillac at least needs to go into. But with all of these car brands, a lot of them are falling behind. Maybe they're adding a lot of tech on one end, but they're not doing enough with performance on the other. The whole thing is, is that they need to learn to communicate with consumers, with you guys. And I think that all the companies we've mentioned are having a real problem with communication. Yeah, and the other thing like, uh, you know, that I'm getting a sense of is that for a lot of like Tommy's generation, right? Uh -huh. uh, luxury is, or at least um, success is more indicative of experience than it is of things, mm. right? So they'd rather, if, let's say you got a hundred bucks, right? You could go buy something with that hundred dollars or you could have an experience with that hundred dollars, a nice dinner, or, you know, they'd more likely have that experience in the thing. If it wasn't COVID, yes, I would agree. Right, if it wasn't COVID. I mean, everything's kind of out of whack right yeah. now. But you can incorporate that into, into you know, the brand, right? Right. As opposed to, it's not about the, the fluted glasses and the champagne that's in there. It's about the experience of whatever you decide. You know, there are people that are much smarter than me who can figure that out. But it feels like, like I say, it feels like uh, they're still playing by a set of rules that no longer exist. You know what they need to do? I, I know this sounds strange because I think you and I both agree that it, it makes it difficult for life, but... SEMA turns out cars that a lot of people actually want, which are one-offs. I think that the automakers need to start paying attention to what More people, bespoke? Right. More bespoke style. And you can do that. It's, Nowadays, it's much with, with automation, there's much no reason. Easier, yeah. Mini proved it. You could build online a Mini which has a million different things that makes it unique to you. And they're able to produce the vehicle, even in England, which is a place where, you know, frankly, I didn't think that they're going to be able to keep up with automation, but they can. 
turn that vehicle out and make it completely bespoke, almost completely unique for the, for the owner. So it becomes a statement about you as, as opposed to you know, a, a commodity. Well, that's exactly it. People like individualization. So why not have that with every car company that's out there, especially the ones on this list, where they have a lot more customization available online, but immediate results too. People nowadays don't like to wait six weeks to get to the car or six months to get their car. How long do we wait to get our uh, broken uh, Land Rover? I don't know, dude, but I'm saying if, months. If I were if I were in one of these car companies, I would much sooner put a PSP right into them than I would a, a, a refrigerator. With you know, I mean, that to me seems much more relevant. No, I, I need a refrigerator, Roman. I don't need a fluted thing, but I just... I, All right, I, so you, you want I the PlayStation it. and the... I could use both. Okay. It would work for me. And the humidor. And the humidor, please. All right, well, there you have it, guys. Uh, please let us know in the comments below what you think. Uh, if you guys are looking to buy or sell a pickup truck or a big old trucky crossover SUV thing, uh, mm -hmm. head out to TFL Bids, our new uh, auction website. Uh, and we've been having kind of a rocky start with it, Nathan, uh, so we're kind of rejiggering it. Okay. Yeah, you know, a lot of the vehicles that have been up there have had, I would say, in my opinion, very excessive uh, uh, reserves. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, you, you have to be realistic out there. Yeah, and so we're gonna we're gonna be pushing hard, um, and we're gonna start with our own vehicles. We're, we're gonna be selling a couple of vehicles that you guys know and love with no reserve. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for TFL to, to see what vehicles those are and when those are going up on TFL bids. I'm guessing Tommy's Mini is not going up there. No, Tommy's Mini. That's his Mini. <laughs> but the Touareg. Mmm. Uh, yeah. That Touareg has yeah. actually been really remarkable. Yeah, it has been really remarkable. No reserve, dude. There you go. There you go. There you go, guys. More what? than a enough reason to check in there and see, and it has really bitching tires on it, too. It does. It does. <laughs> and everything else. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, watching. If you're watching, thanks for listening. If you're listening, remember, go to TFL Car, TFL Truck, TFL Now, TFL Off-Road, TFL Classics, TFL Bids, uh, and uh, TFL Goodbye. <laughs> see ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.